This is our fourth episode on Foundations of Christian Hedonism. The first one, we established the duty that we'll talk about in a moment, and we're taking ten arguments now to support that duty. The conclusion we came to after that first session on uh, Psalm 1611 was that Christian hedonism affirms that it is the God-given duty of all people, not just suggestion, not just nice idea, not just privilege, but duty of all people to pursue fullest and longest pleasure. Yes, delight, pleasure, satisfaction, joy, happiness, all those words summing up that wonderful, internal, satisfying well-being, namely pleasure in God, can be found nowhere else. Or as Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me, you God, make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we took our cue from Psalm 1611 that the path of life is the path into God's presence, and in God's presence is not just joy, but its fullest possible experience, and not just fullest possible experience, but also longest and fullest possible experience. And now we are on argument number three for the fact that that is so. It is our duty to pursue this kind of joy in God. Help us, Father, as we focus on argument number three and the very essence of what evil is, to see evil, to hate evil, to be drawn away from evil, and to glorify you in the experience of its opposite I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's argument number three. We should pursue our fullest and most lasting satisfaction in God because, third argument, to find that supreme satisfaction anywhere else is the essence of evil. I really believe that. We could take dozens of sessions to show it. We'll just take this one and two or three texts. Number one, Jeremiah 2, God speaking. Be appalled, O heavens. He's calling out for the heavens to be shocked. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate. Why, what terrible thing has happened, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me. And what makes it so horrific, is that they have forsaken me as a fountain of living water. Not forsaken me as a slave master. Not even forsaken me as a father. They have forsaken me as a fountain of water. I am an overflowing, bubbling up, life-giving fountain where they can drink and find everlasting life and joy, and they have tasted it and done what? Number one, forsaken me, and number two, they have hewed out for themselves cisterns. They have dug other sources. And they are broken. 
They have hewed out for themselves cisterns which are broken, empty, leaky, dried, dirty, dusty, even poisonous, that can hold no water. The essence of evil is that double turn. God offers himself to the world as the fountain of living waters, and evidence and proofs abound everywhere in the world that he is bountiful and good. And instead of embracing him, loving him, delighting in him, cherishing him, we forsake him. I mean, just look at the newspapers, look at the television, look at the whole world. Nobody is delighting in God. We're delighting in a hundred other things. We have hewed out alternative wells, thinking that the water in them will be more satisfying than God. And these wells are broken and they don't hold any water. So, so evil or sin is what? It is foolish. It is suicidal. You're going to die if you don't have water and you choose not to drink at this living water. The alternative is death, not some sweet juice you're going to concoct on your own. You don't. Nothing you build is going to hold any water. And it is not being supremely satisfied in God the fountain. That's what this says. They've committed two evils. They have tasted this fountain and they've walked away from it. That's the essence of evil. And then you compound the evil with the insult of saying, God, I can do better. I can do better and make myself a cistern. This is how it all began, right? Where did all evil come from? Why did God hand the world over to such a catastrophic fall? This is what happens when the devil tempts Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree that God had forbidden was good for food, and oh, I like food, that it was a delight to the eyes. Oh, I like for my eyes to feast on pleasant things, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And oh, I love wisdom, the kind of wisdom that is from me and not from God. I love to be smart and intelligent and not dependent on anybody else to tell me right and wrong when food and and Beauty and self-reliant wisdom were offered her in the fruit. She took of it and ate and said, God, stuff it. I'm out of here. This is the essence of evil. Then here it is in Romans. Romans 1. What can be known about God is plain to them, the world, because God has shown it to them all over nature. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived in the, in the, in since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not glorify him 
or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Here comes the walking away from a living fountain and hewing out cisterns. Futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise like Eve, they became fools and exchanged the glory They exchanged the glory. They exchanged the glory. You want to know how to not glorify God? They did not glorify God. Answer, take his glory and throw it away. Walk away from it. Consider it boring, not to be preferred. They exchanged the glory of God for images. A thousand images, especially the one in the mirror, all doctored up and made to be God. Now, is that evil? You get to chapter 3 of Romans, very familiar text. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to that righteousness. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. Now, why do all who believe, Jew and Gentile, all over the world, why does everybody need this righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus and not what we produce on our own? And here's the reason. Because there's no distinction between anybody. What unites us all is horrific evil. For all have sinned. What do you mean sinned? And fall short. That is a very loose translation of the word hystereo, to lack the glory of God. What's that mean? In the context of, of Romans 1 through 3, having seen that what all people have done is exchange the glory of God for images. What do you think lack means here? It means the essence of sin is to take the glory of God offered to all people as their supreme treasure and the joy of their hearts and do this. If you exchange the glory of God, you lack the glory of God. You fall short of having the glory of God as your treasure, and now you have images. So, I'm arguing here that sin, evil, in its essence, as we have seen in Jeremiah 2, is to take the glory of God, God himself, in all his all-satisfying glory, and throw him behind us and turn to images. We can get to the moon, images of power and intellect and beauty and a thousand alternative satisfactions. So third argument for why we should pursue our fullest and most lasting satisfaction in God is because to find that supreme satisfaction anywhere else is the essence of evil.
and the ruination of the world, the folly of the world, the suicide of the world. 